We used to have a head coach for about a week. Now the Charlotte Hornets are back again looking for the next guy to be in charge, and we're only four days away from the NBA draft. Let's talk about it all today on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail. That's Doug Branson. He's the founder of this pod, and we do not have a head coach once again, Doug. This is the not process. Not like this. Not I mean, like this, Walker. Why? Why? Why does it feel like these kinds of things only happen to us? Kenny Atkinson was the head coach for about a week, Doug. I mean, I, I think he lasted eight days Saturday. Well, he after. Wasn't. Well, I mean, right. Technically, right. technically never look until right. this is a lesson for all of us until it's on the dotted line, then it's not official. And that's what appears to have has that, that's what appears to have happened to the Hornets. They didn't get the signature on the dotted line. And now we're here. Well, you know, what's funny is like I was thinking about this as we were talking about Kenny Atkinson. Everybody was trying to make their, you know, put their analysis out there on how he would fit. It's like, yeah, he's not the head coach yet. I wonder if there is some type of funny business that could take place with the Charlotte Hornets team and Kenny, because you do win the championship. It's all heartfelt. It's the most emotional championship. Golden State's won. Klay Thompson's coming back. Steph Curry gets his finals MVP. Mike Brown's leaving. And so you're going to have that top assistant job if you want it. It's like, I, I hope that doesn't happen. And sure enough, Kenny Atkinson. You ends thought up that? Stink. You legitimately had, because I'll tell not you. Not enough we, to put it out. I'm not acting like an oracle thinking that Kenny Atkinson's going to take it. But there were thoughts in my head like, you know, this would really suck if he decided to back out because we've seen it a few times before. Like, you know, even <laughs> Pat Kelsey, somebody that comes to mind, you know, he's in the college basketball ranks, probably a weird name to throw out there. But like you, you do see it every now and then for coaches to take a job and then decide, you know what, I get cold feet. I'm going to come back and just take this old responsibility that I had. Yeah, and but it doesn't happen very often in no, it the doesn't. NBA on the professional level when people say, hey, I want to be a head, especially when they're not already a head coach of another team. They're not, you know, the, the cliche is there aren't many of these jobs that exist. And so when you get one, you would expect the person to hang on to, to that job. But Kenny Atkinson doesn't do that. And, and it, and honestly, it seemed like it was a, a giant shock to everyone, to media, to fans, to us, to Michael Jordan, <laughs> to Mitch Kupchak, who apparently, according to reports, heard about this from Woj. So Will Kunkel put that out there, that he actually reached out to the team, and Will Kunkel, part of Queen City News, he reached out to the team. They said, wait, we're still waiting to confirm. And if you look at the wording here, Wojnarowski put this out there on Saturday. And the tweet and how he broke the news, he said that Kenny Atkinson has decided to return to Golden State after conversations, further conversations with Charlotte, just wasn't feeling it and decided to stay with the Warriors. So he tweeted that out. And the key phrase there being Kenny Atkinson has decided. If you look at the write up that would later come that you would click on ESPN.com, he said Kenny Atkinson has informed Charlotte. So that was the way he leads off his story. 
And the only right we had seen that it was out there, Charlotte didn't know about that for a fact. So apparently, yeah, like it looks like Kenny Atkinson, his agent, <laughs> tipped off Woj first and foremost. He puts it out there immediately because I I have to imagine as soon as Woj hears anything, it, the next minute, within that minute and 30 seconds, he is going to put out a tweet breaking Fastest that news. Fastest typer in the game, baby. As, as much as you can. And, you know, Charlotte doesn't know. I'm sure they get a call after the fact. Um, yeah, like that, that's what the wording was interesting to me, seeing, you know, how Woj kind of changed it from the tweet. You think to the story. Woj has an insurance policy on his thumbs? You know, have doing to, got this to. number with the phone. You think he's got one of those like London, you know, bank uh, pol- insurance policies on his thumbs if those ever got hurt? I mean, that would be, Should. The, you know, be tough, be tough for Woj to do what he does without those bad boys. So um, here's the thing <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about this. I, Obviously, uh, I I feel I you know I, I don't feel though I don't feel embarrassed. I feel shocked. I feel disappointed because I thought Kenny Atkinson would be uh, a good coach for this particular team. I obviously favored Mike D'Antoni, who was also a finalist, uh, but I wasn't disappointed that it ended up being Kenny Atkinson because I thought there were some pros that Kenny Kenny would have brought that Mike D'Antoni would have brought. Uh, but I don't feel embarrassed, Walker. And I know a lot of people do feel embarrassed about this. They feel like Charlotte got hoodwinked, that they got bamboozled, that uh, they they look silly, that Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak look silly for learning about it on Twitter. But, like, that's the that's the take economy right now. That's the breaking news economy right now. And if, and if you know, if Kenny Atkinson wanted to keep this private between him and the organization before it got tipped to Woj, then it would have gotten tipped to Woj. Okay, this that was that's on Kenny. That's not on the organization. And and this just simply doesn't happen. So I don't feel embarrassed because this is a team walker (laughs) that left the city of Charlotte once upon a time, then came back, named the team after their owner, who then left, and then they got the team named back. So I have no shame left to give. Like I just I'm shameless at this point. Nothing can Nothing can embarrass me about this franchise at this point, but it is it is extremely disappointing. This is low on the totem pole as far as things we can get embarrassed about because that has already been exhausted. We're done with that in Charlotte. Um, as far as the embarrassment things go, yeah, it is Kenny Atkinson because that's the idea. If you wanted to tell Charlotte first, Michael Jordan, Mitch Kupchak, anybody who matters at the top, if you wanted to tell them first, you could have. You have your discussion with your agent. Hey, Huh, getting cold feet. We just won the championship. Really like this top assistant job now because Mike Brown's gone. I'm going to call Charlotte and then we can put this out there however you want to, but I need to let the Hornets know. But that's not how it happened, at least the way we see things, at least how things kind of unfolded and Woj puts it out there. The embarrassment level, how it gets embarrassing, Doug, is if you go back to Mike D'Antoni, D'Antoni decides no. I don't want to be the head coach. <laughs> if you go back to Terry Stotts, Terry Stotts decides, Terry. no, you know what? I like Hey Mike, it's Mike. T- yeah. Taking Again. I like taking my vacation <laughs> with my family. You know what? An off season, another year not coaching. That oh. seems kind of nice. That's how it gets embarrassing. But the Charlotte Hornets made a decision. Like they liked Kenny Atkinson. And a lot of people like Kenny. You know, especially yeah. nationally assistant with golden state had been around all of these smart coaches we had already gone down the list of why he should be a head coach or why somebody might find him attractive as a head coach and it's okay to want somebody like that 
You know, it's okay for Charlotte to offer him the job, and it could have happened to anybody. If you they want put to try to— put their heart on the line. They were vulnerable, Walker. It's, they it's were. okay. Listen, it's better to have Kenny and lost mm-hmm. than never to have Kenny at all. Plus, when you can rebound with Mike D'Antoni, possibly, then you can win the breakup. <laughs> that's bra- the possible back up thing. The Brinks truck. The price just went up twenty percent. <laughs> uh, that that's how it gets embarrassing. If you start you to pay that second fiddle premium, yeah, because you know Woj is going to get his hands on that information. Hey, Charlotte has extended this offer to Mike D'Antoni. Uh, D'Antoni just not interested anymore after a couple of weeks of the off season. And you know what? He's living life. He's loving it. He doesn't want to go to Charlotte. That's how it gets embarrassing, in my opinion. Yeah, well, if it before, but I want to I want to stay in this present moment in this first segment before we look to the future because there are mm-hmm. a lot of questions. You know how how big of a setback is this? What are you know? I know a lot of people are out there talking about Quinn Snyder and you know is there an opportunity there? I think there there are questions yet yet to be answered. But I but I really just want to stick in this present moment of how just odd all of this is, and and I'm just gonna say it, Kenny Atkinson should be ashamed of himself walker okay Mm -hmm. because i'm looking at these reports right and i'm seeing that he is now or at least the reports are that this was about a family decision right to stay where he is right now okay and what kind of person uses their family as a meat shield who would do that who would say who would say I have a child? I have children. Urban have Meyer wife, comes to mind. Maybe a certain co-host. I don't know. It's You're absurd. right. It's a good point. Using, I mean, should be absolutely ashamed of them of themselves. No, I, I agree. You know, I, anybody that I know that would do that, I would condemn them forever. If they used a part of their family in order to make excuses for themselves, and this is exactly what Kenny Atkinson is doing, that write-up in the Woj story that you're referencing, saying that he had moved from Brooklyn to the L.A. Clippers organization, but and then Golden the, State, they, that happening year after year. No, you're right. You're right. And also, like, did he not know that this was the D? Yes, when you take a job, you know. They, you I'm not absolving I'm it. Look, I know we're all about remote work, but you can't coach via Zoom. You got to go there. No, I'm not. And I'm not absolving him. I'm just saying what was mentioned in that ESPN article, right? His reasoning was that he had moved to a different city in every single year of the last three years. Then he wanted some kind of stability. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's false. I'm not going to speculate. All I'm saying is it's pretty convenient Mm -hmm. that you win a championship. You got Steve Kerr, who has plenty of options, has had health issues in the past. We don't know how long he's going to coach. Just won his fourth championship, emotional, unexpected championship, maybe a little cut the losses situation or, or get out while you're ahead situation. And Do we then need all the of a sudden, Mike sound. Brown's gone. Mike Brown's in Sacramento. It. You're the lead dog. Kenny Atkinson didn't expect it. He was like, oh, man, well, I didn't know this team could still win championships. Well, hey, I'll just saddle up with the winner. Yeah, when he met with Michael Jordan, that took place on June 8th. I also want to talk about that in the next segment, some of the reporting on the MJ meetings. But he met with them. Maybe they thought, man, game one, oh, game three, that didn't go very well. You know what? Maybe I do need to get out of here because Golden State, they're not winning a championship anymore. It's so funny because on Friday, we had the conversation. And the conversation topic was, all right, Kenny Atkinson just won a championship as a member of the Golden State Warriors. How will that affect things? Mm -hmm. And none of us stopped to think, hey, maybe it affects it in that he likes winning championships and doesn't think that's going to happen for a while in Charlotte and decides to stay. We all thought it was a positive thing. You know, I I laughed at myself because... 
I, I had made the point that maybe you would want to be the assistant with Mike D'Antoni, who you know, in Charlotte, instead of being an assistant with Steve Kerr and Golden State winning championships. That was a thing that I said and put out there like, you know what? Is there a shot that you could get both? that maybe Kenny Atkinson would want to follow Mike D'Antoni. He doesn't even want to get his own gig here in Charlotte. He'd rather stay with Golden State. Last thing I want to say about this before we move on to the Mike D'Antoni stuff, and Doug, I, you know, I see you got a take as well. We'll get that in there. But w- with the sentence that further conversations took place with the Charlotte Hornets throughout, I guess, the last week, that he didn't want to move again, but also that there were more conversations with the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets that took place. Yeah, does is it is it a cop out or is it the fact that he wasn't getting as much control? Was it that he decided, you know what, I don't love the way Mitch Kupchak is thinking as this week goes on, some of the philosophies he has in place? Or was it, man, this was really special. This championship that took place was really special. I want to stay here now. But the way it was worded was that there were some things that took place in his conversations with whoever he was talking to in Charlotte. And so that's the thing. Like, it's easy to say, oh, now he's reflecting. You know, we want a title. He can stay. How much did Charlotte have, you know, a hand in this from whatever conversations they had? It doesn't make me any more embarrassed. I just I'm trying to put the puzzle together like anybody else is. And we're not going to I don't I don't know that. No. We'll be able to fully put that puzzle together. All we know is what we know, which is that Kenny Atkinson will not be the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. He will not. Who will be? Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We continue to ask that question. We'll take a look at some of the candidates. Can they refresh a couple of the candidates that they had before they, quote unquote, officially went to Kenny Atkinson? That's still to come, not before we talk about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, even golf. Great U.S. Open this past weekend. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Mike D'Antoni, is he back in this thing? We'll talk about it next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Is Locked on Hornets. But I have seen him go all the way up to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we need to get out of here? Okay, here's the thing. I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off and I was trying to silence it. And then I accidentally hit ping the phone and then the phone pinged. And and now here we are. (laughs) I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. It's a new one. I hadn't heard that one in a while. Good memories of you putting a grenade on the show and just making it blow up in flames that's how it goes sometimes but that is when we are i agree you're still right in that and that's when we're at our very best is when we're at our very worst oh, that's what kenny atkinson did he he basically tossed a grenade into the room a couple days before the nba draft and you know but i i don't feel embarrassed i'll tell you what i feel like i feel like jerry Maguire uh when kush's dad 
you know, betrayed Jerry Maguire, went against, you know, and he was, he was like, oh, my word is strong as oak. That's how I felt <laughs> about Kenny. I was just, I was so on board the, the Kenny train. And then I just feel hurt. I feel vulnerable. I feel violated. Uh, I don't feel embarrassed for the organization. I feel bad for the organization because I feel like they went about this whole process the right way. You know, I thought I thought they were thorough. They interviewed a lot of people. Yeah, they had three meetings. You know, what I mean, if, you know, if, if to me, I, I feel like if they didn't suss it out, I put that more on Kenny for just like hiding those those feelings for for that long and not not giving giving any indication that this kind of thing would have been a problem. Why do three meetings? Why go through this whole process only to back out? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, right. He did. He did do the most you I'm can Kenny possibly lashed. do. Not and Kush then, lashed him, Kenny lashed. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And that Kenny, going back, Golden State, after three meetings, it's a good point to bring up. I do want to talk about some of those meetings in the process, too, because I, I something that's kind of gone underplayed here, Doug, was that in this write-up that Woj had after Kenny decided to go back to Golden State, it was mentioned that Mike D'Antoni actually never met with Michael Jordan. It was reported by Woj himself during the process that Kenny Atkinson would meet with Michael, I believe that was the Tuesday of that week, and that Mike D'Antoni would be lead, uh, would be meeting with the owner as well later on. But then in this write-up, he said that actually Kenny Atkinson was the only guy to have a conversation with Michael Jordan, and Mike D'Antoni never met with him, which leads you to believe <laughs> that Kenny Atkinson was always the guy, and they were just doing their due diligence with Mike D'Antoni, but apparently Michael wanted Kenny the whole time and then signed off on it and eventually, you know, Kenny would decide to go back to Golden State. So Kenny was the only guy to meet with MJ. Nobody else did. We do know D'Antoni and Terry Stotts to a lesser degree. Those were the two finalists for this job. My question to you is, can you go back to those guys, even specifically D'Antoni? Is there any problem with going back to him and saying, look, clearly we decided to go with Kenny first, but this kind of happens with players all the time. You know, coaches have players be their second option. We're about to go through the biggest second option practice, I guess, in the NBA with this NBA draft. All right, well, I guess we'll settle for Mark Williams because Jalen Duran's not there. You know, can coaches deal with that too, or is the ego too big? That's my question to you. Can you go back to them? Hey, Mike, it's Mike again. Just want to check on your calendar. I know I canceled that last meeting. I uh, just wanted to double check, see if you had some time available. Let's chat. Uh, like yeah, I think it's all about... Uh, <laughs> hey mike it's mike <laughs> that'd be um, great I, if you could coach the team would be fantastic i think it's all about pride at this point you know how much mm -hmm. uh how, how much can these uh different parties put away their pride um you know my d'antoni's well, don't have a choice <laughs> well i do but they certainly do like if jordan doesn't if jordan didn't feel like mike d'antoni was somebody that was best for the team then, you know, in, in those whatever intel he got from those previous meetings that he wasn't a part of, mm -hmm. you know, then his pride could get in the way and say, I don't even want to explore that option. I want to go back to the drawing board. You know, that's the option is let's look at a Stotts. Let's look at Dan Tony. Let's see if they would be willing uh, to meet again and what. And again, I think it does. <laughs> I think it might affect some of the bargaining pieces. Hey, I know, you know, I, again, I don't know what the bargaining pieces were, but if if D'Antoni wanted more control of some of the personnel decisions and they weren't willing to do that, and then they've just gotten scorned, if I'm Mike D'Antoni, it's like, if you want to have that conversation, I'm not arguing about that again. It's either that 
or move on to Stotts or Sweeney or or whatever. Uh, but that's to me, that's where the major setback piece of this is, is that if you have to restart this search and then in and and now take a chance on someone, you sort of you narrow down your options to to people with major head coaching experience. And the the issue, I think, is that those people with head coaching experience typically have a lot of pride, <laughs> you know, and now you've chosen someone else. And I think it's going to be very difficult to go back to those people and say, hey, you know, second fiddle, but come on, let's go. I, I hope they can put their pride aside at the because Mike D'Antoni, we had always thought was the best option after everybody else had been interviewed. And, you know, I, I wanted Darvin Ham, I wanted some of the assistants, but once it was clear they weren't going to move in that direction, D'Antoni was the number one option, especially when D'Antoni it came to those two, those two finalists between him and Kenny Atkinson. So if you go to Mike and you have a conversation, look, clearly we went with Kenny. We like this. We like that. That's why we went with them. But there was a reason you were a finalist. We liked all of this. Clearly, it's not ideal. But is there any way that you'd be interested in coming back? Because we did think so highly of you. I think that professional conversation could be had. You know, am I so naive to the pride of a Dan Tony? Like, no, you don't want me. I don't want you. Find somebody else. Okay. Like, then we'll just have to go find somebody else. Okay. if th- that that could get embarrassing if you continue to try to get coaches and they turn you down, but you know at the same time, what else can you do, right? Like you made an offer for a guy in Kenny Atkinson, he decided to go back to Golden State. You know, this is how it played out. That's true. I mean, Kenny didn't leave the Charlotte Hornets to go back to you know Sacramento or something. I mean, it's, this was if you're going to leave the Hornets for somebody, let it be the team that just won the NBA champion. You know, I wouldn't have rooted so hard for Golden State Walker if I thought this was going <laughs> yeah. I'd have bought a Jason Tatum jersey and started You know what? I'm a little angrier now. Right. If I really I wanted... felt like uh this was a possibility. Uh but yeah, so I think it's going to I think it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think some of those conversations if they do occur will be very human <laughs> and, and maybe yeah. maybe a little maybe a little unbusiness like like we got to really get down into the brass tacks here and talk about what just happened. Um but I hope they do explore D'Antoni. I mean, I've always felt like he was the person that was most likely to unlock whatever you know, extra piece there was to unlock from Lamelo because I think under any any coaching regime, any average coaching regime that didn't you know come in and try to completely mess with his game, you know, I thought Lamelo was going to succeed. But I thought D'Antoni's, uh, you know, just offensive genius could come in and just allow Lamelo to be special on another level. So I, I hope that's still an option, and I hope whatever premium there is to pay, if there is a premium to pay, that Michael Jordan is willing to do that, uh, knowing you know what what just happened with this Atkinson situation. So if you want to run down the list of other guys very quickly, it's not going to be Quinn Snyder. I got it. Yeah. Like it's not. Look, it's not <laughs> going to be Quinn Snyder. He doesn't want to coach. Why? <laughs> Let's we got to go after somebody who wants to coach the Charlotte Hornets. You know? Listen, yeah, we we, we need to be wanted. Dan Tony, do you want us or do you not want us? Man, that needs to be a closet. It's still going to get out. Woj is in the bushes of Quinn Snyder's house right now, seeing when Michael Jordan flies there because now MJ has to be a part of the process. You know, now it's like, look, you know, we messed around. No, I will meet with you this time. I'll meet with everybody this time. This is how interested we are. You still call them. You still have to say, hey, look, man, I know you were thinking about taking a year off and then 
seeing what pop is doing down there in San Antonio, you still have to call Quinn Snyder. Okay. Like, I don't care if he turns you down. I don't care if that is viewed as embarrassing. I'll be embarrassed if I'm going after clearly the best coaching option. That's fine. And then if he says no, okay, it's, it's not unexpected, but if he says yes, and he gives me a meeting, then maybe we're working with something. Quinn Snyder, you don't think so. Who are the other guys, right? Like, well, are we forgetting about Frank Vogel again? Yes. I mean, I think to <laughs> me, that's where <laughs> it's going to happen. I think this inevitably uh, leads to Frank Vogel becoming the next coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Like we forgot about Vogel because then because he's he was not or at least it wasn't reported that he was part of that final grouping. So maybe they just go and reevaluate everything and they say, well, you know, Frank Vogel has the head coaching experience. He's coached superstars before he's, um, you know, coached a championship team before. So, you know, he's got the credentials. We forgot about Frank Vogel. Sorry, Frank, but at Mm -hmm. least, at least you weren't, at least you weren't second fiddle. You weren't even, you weren't even on the fiddle, Uh, but that's okay. Cause now we, we want you and do you want us? Yes yeah, or no? They need to just send a letter that says, check yes or no. Do you want to be um, uh, go steady with the Hornets? Yeah, no maybe box either. Don't put that in there because that's only going to play with your heart more so. Never include the maybe box. Frank Is there Vogel, anyone, if, any of these coaches, does Sean Sweeney have a family? Anyone, we, need, we need someone who hasn't, um, we need just a, a single and ready to mingle. You know, no family, no family ties, <laughs> anything like that to hold them down. No, we don't. Yeah, that no, that has to be a unit. requirement. Then the, the, oh, there you go. Okay, wow. You said that. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't expect you to go there, but you did go there. I'm just um, saying, all options on the table at this point. All right. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Maybe we talk a little more about the coaching angle, but what do you know? Dom Sharani of The Athletic also put out an article relating to the Charlotte Hornets and specifically Miles Bridges' free agency, and there was another trade target that was mentioned again as a potential guy the Charlotte Hornets could go after this offseason. We'll talk about that coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? And Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, Nas. they got Nas. Uh, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master we get- P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Walker, before we get into the Miles Bridges stuff, because it is kind of interesting, but not really that interesting, but kind of interesting. But before, we, that's great tease. Before we get into that, I, I do want to clear up a couple of misconceptions that I'm seeing on the interwebs, okay? I already cleared up one. The Hornets are, the Quinn Snyder is not going to be the coach of the Charlotte Hornets. And that, you know, going that bold with that, that may come back to bite me, but I just, I don't think he's going to be the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. The second misconception is that, you know, people were tying this all to the James Borrego firing, that they never should have fired James Borrego. Like that, to me, that's silly revisionist history to not understand that, you know, just because you got hurt by this particular situation, which was so unique, it just doesn't happen in the NBA where a coach says, yes, I'm on board, doesn't sign, goes back to a championship winning team. It's such a unique situation. You can't, you really can't go back and look at that as like, well, they should have never fired James Borrego. Like they obviously wanted a new voice. In my opinion, they needed a new voice. I think that voice could have been Kenny Atkinson, but it's Kenny's fault that he's now, you know, that that this all happened. It's not, you know, it's not the fault of of the decision makers firing James Borrego. And, you know, the the final misconception is that this somehow 
is worse because it's right here at the draft. Even if Kenny had been on board, he was just starting to call assistant coaches. This was not yeah. Kenny's hiring was not going to affect the draft. Uh, you know, Mitch Kupchak and that that team have been preparing for this draft for a long time, and it, it was not going to change the direction of the draft. And and whoever they hire, if they hire somebody before the draft or they hire somebody after the draft, it just doesn't. To me, it wasn't going to affect this draft. No, and I agree. And I think the evidence is the fact that James Borrego didn't have a ton of say over draft day decisions. This was Mitch no. Kupchak deciding who he wanted on this team and then going after him. If yep. James Borrego got his way, they'd probably have drafted a center some at some point within the last couple of years because Borrego himself has talked about how that was a problem the last few and the, seasons. And the people, the people that they draft are not, I mean, because of the depth that already exists on this team, especially if they decide to re-sign Miles Bridges, you know, the players that they're going to draft are not going to be, this was not a situation where you're talking about complete teardown rebuild and you want to center it around a player and a coach relationship. That's not what's going to happen here. These players are going to have to work their way up through the Hornet system, through the depth in order to get playing time. And that's, again, that's not going to really have that much of an effect on who the coach is or vice versa. Well, and Mitch said that about the players when he said, I haven't talked to anybody about who I want to hire as a coach, the LaMelo ball included, you know, so yeah. LaMelo's not giving him any kind of intel. You know, he hadn't asked, he wasn't given any, and, you know, LaMelo is not like he's offering it to Mitch Kupchak. He's going to make this decision. The only question mark I have about that is the fact that there was some real, real legitimate rumors about him moving to an advisory role. And so if there is some kind of bridge into giving up your personnel responsibility, this might be the time to pull that off, especially if it's reported that Mitch Kupchak has a two-year deal to remain in his same exact position, same exact responsibility, right? He is the decision maker. He is the GM, president of basketball operations, whatever. He's the guy making the personnel decision. Is this the time now where it's like, well, you know, I'm about to be out of the NBA. I'm about to go to an advisory role, at least to the point where I don't have this type of responsibility. All right, D'Antoni, we'll do this kind of like, you know, not fitter or Matt rule type of thing. Don't do that. But you will have this amount of say when we talk about personnel free agents, when we talk about the draft. And I wonder if that's something that would help you get whatever coach you want the second go around. Um, ultimately, I agree with you. I, when we talk about does this hurt the Charlotte Hornets, the fact that this happened, it hurts in the sense that you don't have a coach in place and any time to get familiar with the roster is good. But I don't know if it is going to be the reason that they lose five more games next year or like I'm not going right. to say, well, if they just had a coach in place three weeks prior or if Kenny Atkinson hadn't backed out, then they would have won that game. I, it's going to be tough to see that kind of effect happen next season. And you, and you have to wonder, too, and this sort of segues in, into the conversation that we wanted to have around Miles Bridges. If it makes you wonder if Mitch Kupchak and company would have been more comfortable bringing in a D'Antoni and giving that kind of control over to a head coach and moving into an advisory role. If you didn't have this massive decision on Miles Bridges on how much money and how many years to extend him, that's going to have ripple effects on the ability for this team to go out and compete and acquire other free agents and make maneuvers. I mean, it's a huge decision. And I think, yeah, I think it would be reasonable to assume that Kupchak, having guided this team so far, 
wanting to make that particular decision and not give up control of that decision. And now we have some intel on some of the some of the thinking behind that decision or what it would take to get Miles Bridges to stay. All right. So here's the write up from Shams and what had a, a bunch of different little nuggets as far as this offseason oh, goes. I'm yeah, hungry. little nuggets are Much great. Time. He said that rival executives ex uh, expect the Charlotte Hornets restricted free agent Miles Bridges to command a max or near max deal in July. And sources said there's hesitancy from Charlotte to match a max sheet. Let's just talk about that for a second. Just that opening sentence, right? <laughs> that there's hesitancy for Charlotte to match what would be a max offer sheet and that Miles Bridges is commanding that. Is this not where every single negotiation starts that, hey, what? One player is asking for the most possible money he could get, mm -hmm. and the Hornets or Team X is a little hesitant to give in to every demand to that one player. That's crazy talk. Look, the only reason you don't play with that is if you have a top 15 player in the game, if you have an all-NBA type of guy. For instance, do not be yep. hesitant to give Kevin Durant the max, or he just might say, you know what? Bleep you. Right. Somebody else is going to give me this max. Right. Do you feel like another team feels that strongly God. about miles bridges to the point where they're saying, yeah, we'll throw everything you want. Right? Like it, I've heard a lot of people bring out Detroit. I've seen that a lot too, right? Detroit, Detroit. bringing miles bridges back home. They have some money to work with, even if they're you know trying to rebuild is Detroit willing to give him 35 million, 32, you know, 30. All right. So what, what is, what does that number look like? And if the number is off by 3 million, 27 a year where Charlotte wants to go and Detroit is going to give them 30, you can't imagine it goes much more than that to the point where Charlotte's probably going to bring them back. I mean, and of course there's hesitancy. Like miles is not a top 15 player. Like I, I just think this is run of the mill stuff for the beginning of contract negotiations. Rival executives expect. Uh, mm -hmm. I noticed there wasn't rival NBA executives. Are these rival executives from Clutch Sports? <laughs> right. I mean, the, the agency, Rich Paul, the agency. Rich Paul that said Miles, Miles deserves every penny. Yeah. Surprising. Whoa, wild. Like you mm -hmm. have to be careful with these kinds of things because, as we have found out from the sort of the, the articles that have come out about how all of this stuff works with Shams, Woj, with Schefter, there is a weird economy. Uh, that is that is happening between the people that report these this kind of information and who is feeding them that information and why, right? Kui Bono, who benefits from this particular report coming out? And and I think when you're talking about this early into the negotiations, when we haven't even got to the point where a team could come in and give any kind of offer, you have to be careful. And I think you make the great salient point, which is that Miles Bridges has the potential to become an all-star, but has not become an all-star. And so I think there is a little bit of, as an organization, you have to be careful and say, hey, I got to figure out if a team's actually going to match and not this rival executives expect malarkey uh, to come out. And you're, because you have to bet on that potential and, and how much is that potential worth to you? You have an inside track because you know, as an organization, you've been the closest person to Miles Bridges. You know his work ethic. You know what he can do. You know what is possible for him to do. You know what he can't do. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, yes, I'm with you. This report, grain of salt, giant grain of salt.
Yeah, and look, I went with Kevin Durant as the example, but there's a player on the Hornets roster that can be that example. That's LaMelo. LaMelo was the guy where you yeah. get nervous you seeing hesitancy, okay? Right. He's younger. He's already an all-star. He's the lead guard for your team, and it could be a little tumultuous with that situation where there are clearly benefits to leaving that roster. Don't play with that. We don't have to see the word hesitancy. We don't have to see uh, a little nervous well, to give up. No. Go ahead and throw them the back. Okay. No, they won't. And, and, the, they, and the, I don't the, think they will either. You know, I talk all about, I talk all the time about how the Hornets have to convince LaMelo that this is the place for him to be. It's not a, that, that will, the convincing won't be money. <laughs> you know, it's like, we'll give you all the money in the world. Right. But that's not what's going to keep LaMelo in Charlotte. LaMelo has to believe that Charlotte is a, a place that he could potentially raise his legacy. You know, you know, to do the honest thing, to stay in Milwaukee, to get the championship, to become the MVP, mm-hmm. that kind of thing over and over again. Um, that's what they have to convince him about. But you haven't even read the whole read the whole thing, because I think you the, want to read the last sentence this fine. report yeah. illuminates a little bit more of what I was talking about. Right. I did. Yeah. I want to get back to some of the other analysis. But here's I'm, I'm just going to read the last sentence or two from this that goes ahead and shows you who the source is here. Shams put, quote, in a league that saw wings such as Golden State's Andrew Wiggins and Boston's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have game-changing impacts on a run to the NBA Finals. Bridges' two-way ability on the wing has become incredibly valued toward winning. Okay. (laughs) I love the examples put here because it's like saying, see, here's proof, right? Like, these guys are similar. They're going to get a lot of money. Charlotte, you better be paying attention. That, That is clearly... It's agent driven, which is, you know, so much of these sources, so much of these leaks that that's clearly agent driven. Right. But it's not like it's not like Shams is putting his opinion on this saying, hey, look, hey, Jalen, you know, Andrew Wiggins, Jason Tatum, those guys have had a huge impact. Let's just go ahead and throw that in there because I think it makes sense. It's nah, man, we got to have some like we're clearly doing this as a favor for that side of things. I, I just that was funny to me. And you can find it in every tweet from a Woj or a Shams or whoever the hell. So I would I would totally be on board with Miles Bridges definitely commanding a near max or max offer as this report suggests if that last part last season were true that he was a a, a true two-way player in the mold of uh Jalen Brown, Wiggins, Tatum that he was doing it on the defensive end as well but I just didn't see that last oh, season. Yeah. So, you know, and and his three-point shooting went down. And so then there's questions about, like, you know, long-term offensive impact. Now, again, I think as an organization, you can look at that and say, all right, we know know what Miles can do. We can talk to him. We can see where that potential is. Can he become that player? Yes, but it's very difficult to lay that kind of max money down on. We think he can become. It's It's easier to lay that max money down on. He has proven that he can be. And the word hesitancy doesn't mean that they're not going to do it. It means that, of course, you got to be a little scared in investing that kind of money towards a player that probably isn't worth that as he is constructed right now. You're betting on what he can do towards the future. And LaMelo, it's a safer bet. Miles Bridges, older, now in a second contract, was a two-year player coming out of college anyway. You you want to bet on his ability to get better because he's shown that, and that's fine. I've talked a lot about how Miles actually, he's in the gym constantly. This is somebody that has bet on himself, clearly cares, okay? And that's how he's been able to improve and take that huge jump that he did last year. It's okay to bet on that. 
still can be a little scary. Ultimately, though, Doug, I do think Charlotte's going to give him the money. And I I think they kind of have to. I mean, maybe have to is strong, but I feel it's pretty important that they give him that money because you don't want to lose Miles Bridges. And you can't be better if Miles is gone next year, right? Like, I, what, what, what does that scenario look you'd like? Have to really, you'd have to pull yeah. off some, you'd have to pull off some significant maneuvers. Mm-hmm. At that point, to me, at that point, okay, if a Portland or a, um, you know, a Detroit or whatever team comes in, and wants to get to that max place, then I think that's when you try to explore some kind of sign and trade abilities where the, the organization goes, well, we can, you know, we can help miles get the most money. And uh, you know, that's when these negotiations get super interesting, but look, if there were teams lining up, if Portland and Detroit of the world, if there were teams lining up to give miles bridges a max offer, then you wouldn't see shams putting this report. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. This is not, this is not designed for Charlotte. This this kind of report is designed to pique the interest of a rival executive in Portland and say, hey, I don't know how much these Hornets are willing to go the max. If you go the max, he's yours. Uh, yeah, and, and going back to your point about the sign and trade, exploring those options, the two teams you mentioned, which have been a, a, a frequented team mentioned by you know whoever when you're talking about Miles Bridges, what do you want from Portland that they'd be willing to give up in a trade for miles? I don't, I don't know what I want, you know, clearly Damian Lillard, but Damian's not going to get traded. If you go to Detroit, they're going to keep Cade. They're going to keep every young player that they have there. Like I, Jeremy Grant, like, yeah, but he, but again, he's got one more year left on his deal and then he's gone. And Jeremy Grant is not the young up and coming star that you want to give the bag to. Like you still get worse by trading miles bridges and Jeremy being the star piece coming back and you can't punt, right? Like this is what we've talked about. Yes. You do care about the future. Not so much so where you can't at least stay the same and just stay afloat next year. You're not, you're not getting rid of miles for picks and salary filler. Uh, yeah, I, you, you probably but that's, but don't so, have a ton of leverage. Right. But that, so we're not talking about the Hornets cheaping out on Miles Bridges. We're talking no. about the difference between seven, eight million dollars, between giving a player 25 million versus giving them 30 plus million, you know? So that's what we're really, and, and these things are going to, again, this is not the last thing we're going to see about Miles, these things. So I would just say, everybody, relax. You save all of your anxiety for this coaching search. <laughs> You're going to have plenty. We forgot about Vogel. Uh, we did forget about Vogel. Uh, one other thing in that Shams report, of course, you know who made another appearance as far as a trade target for the Charlotte oh, Hornets, Doug? You know who it is. We didn't forget about him. We may forget about Vogel. You are not allowed to forget about this guy. It's Miles Turner. No. Again. Shams put out there that the Pacers were willing to trade Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner, the Knicks. I think the Wizards were the two teams mentioned for Malcolm Brogdon and the Hornets were the only team mentioned there as a potential suitor for Miles Turner. So it does seem like Indiana's willing to trade him. We thought that might be done once they got rid of Sabonis because they did wanted to keep one or the other. Um, but no, they're still willing to trade Miles Turner <laughs> and he lives. That rumor lives on um, around the Charlotte Hornets organization. Well, yeah. And I mean, if you have no other option, I mean, to me, that would be something you explore late in this offseason process after you've made a few yeah. other decisions and you maybe lose out on, you know, a DeAndre Aiden trade or a Rudy Gobert trade. And you go, OK, uh, you know, you go, you go <laughs> just like they're going to have to do in this coaching search. You go slumping back yeah. to crawling back to another option 
Uh, Miles Turner would be the Mike D'Antoni in this situation. Yeah, gonna, Odie, 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 Odie. It, it's going to be the go. team of come on. It's, it's going to be the team of second options. Just the Charlotte Rejects next year. We have D'Antoni who was second. Miles Turner was second. Hell, it's going to be Mark Williams. We wanted Jalen Duran, but it's going to be Mark Williams. So it's just going to be the Charlotte Rejects next season. All right, thanks for making us your first <laughs> listen every day. Make your second listen. Locked on NBA Big Board. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam. Ferris and Leaf Tulin giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft this week just a few days away I know we didn't talk about it because there's so many other things to mention with the Hornets but just a few days away we're going to figure out what the Hornets do with that 13th and 15th pick they also have player rankings of course big boards on the Lockdown NBA Big Board podcast it's free and available wherever you get your pods that was fun hopefully we don't have any other bad news to talk about tomorrow but we'll still be there to do it either way on the locked on hornets podcast